here for the first time. If you don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Derek, and welcome to Connect Community Church. This is SNL. It's kind of a, a more informal setting, um, a little bit. We kind of just believe and offer, you know, opportunity for more uh, in-depth discussion, sometimes interaction. I don't fear questions. I like questions and comments and stuff like that. I can't always do that in uh, the morning services, but I like it at night. Um, we're going to go a little uh, deeper tonight and have some prayer and ministry a little, a little bit later, really seek God a little bit. I want to I want to get good at having a prayer meeting, <clears throat> you know? I want to get good at that. Um, I just think that the Old Testament leaves us and the New Testament leaves us some examples for us to follow. But um, as you can see in your notes, if you've got your notes out, you can look in with me. Um, we're going to go to Acts uh, in just a second, the book of Acts. But um, I'm going to call this the Shaker meeting. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of a Quaker meeting. Anybody ever heard of the Quakers? The Quakers, Okay. Um, you know, in, in, in the United States, they were kind of uh, introduced in the state of Pennsylvania, and they used to have all these, um, these particular types. There was different, you know, f- um, types, uh, strains of this particular group, but um, for the most part, they had what were called unprogrammed um, meetings, and they were kind of uh, a different kind of liturgy, um, very sober, very somber, very quiet, very contemplative, very, uh, you know, just kind of different meetings. Um, frankly, not so fun. <laughs> um, and um, um, I want to contrast that kind of Quaker meeting with, with what I see in the Bible as kind of a Shaker meeting. Very different. Um, I'm not saying there weren't, there weren't some cool things that happened through the Quakers, so don't misinterpret that. But I'll, I'll, say, it, uh, I'll say something that I, when I think of the Quakers, I think of my mom. Now, let me, let me finish before you guys jump to any conclusions. But when I was a boy, um, we used to have, I, we, my mom used to insist that we have etiquette night, etiquette meetings. I'm not even kidding you. This is a true story, what I'm getting ready to tell you right now. You heard it here. Okay, so Monday nights in the Fry household, we had etiquette class it was usually after dinner when mom was semi-disgusted with the previous behavior that she witnessed. And she had this big, fat, old etiquette book with all of these rules on etiquette. And she would have us sit at the table. she put a jar in the middle of the table with some quarters in it just to, rep- just to demonstrate that if you violated one of these rules during the meeting, you had to put a quarter in the jar. So you had to come with money. <laughs> Not even kidding, Okay. So she would teach us everything from like how to fold a napkin and how to put in your lap and how to do silverware. And so to this day, I know we're all, so I, I can look at a table, a table, my wife can tell you this, you know, if my kids are the silverware, I immediately start fixing it and putting it around this way and the napkins folds that way and it points out that way and all these different things. And it's because of etiquette class, scarred, cursed, you know, <laughs> tattooed forever, how to eat soup and spoon away and all these different things and no elbows on the table. And to this day, I've rebelled against that particular one. I break that one often. Um, how to treat a lady, you know, there were some good ones in there that worked out for me. But um, what was interesting about this particular meeting was, was kind of how it all started, you know, how she would introduce the, uh, the etiquette class. And, and basically, in order to control the meeting or the, let's just say, the environment from the frivolous outbreaks of two particular personalities, me and my dad, um, she would, uh, you know, the peanut gallery, so to speak, because we were always cutting up, making fun of her, making, you know, uh, I mean, we just, some of you know my dad. I mean, it was, it was, he would just make it 
a really fun experience. And we had to put a lot of money up um, during the meetings. And he, he, he came with like 20 bucks in quarters, you know, just rolls, just say, hey, how much will this get me, Randa? You know what I mean? And just roll those things in there. But she would begin each meeting with this chant. And uh, it went like this. It went, it went, Quaker meeting has begun. No more laughing, no more fun. If you show your teeth or tongue, you shall have to pay a forfeit. That's, that, was, that was what I knew about a Quaker meeting. No laughing, no fun, no teeth, no tongue. If you do, you're going to have to pay for it. All right? That was kind of the feel. And I tell you this story or this illustration to kind of introduce or contrast the Quaker meeting with kind of a shaker meeting. Is everybody tracking with me out there? All right? And when I was actually writing down Quaker meeting in my notes, I accidentally wrote quacker meeting. <laughs> That's another message. Uh, but this message is about a shaker meeting. In other words, there's a meeting where God comes and he literally shakes the place. You know, and, and everyone in the room knows God is there. It's undeniable. It's absolutely, it's inexplicable. It's somewhat unsearchable. It's, it's different. And that's what I want for us. I want for us as a church to have times with God, upper room experiences, HNLs, shaker meetings where God shows up and it's like, man, just God showed up. And when he does, it just, it shakes the place. It's different. It's not like, it's not like, you know, a Quaker meeting. It's not all controlled and comfortable and sober and somber and liturgical. And I'm not saying there's not a place for sobriety. I'm not saying there's not a place for sometimes to be somber and contemplative. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, I'll give illustrations of that in a little bit. But I believe there are meetings where God really can shake us, shake the place. As my sister was talking about, she was shaken in a way. It was interesting that she said that. And but I just want, I want an encounter with God for myself, but I also want to have corporate encounters as a church. Are you guys tracking out there? Um, I can give many illustrations of this or examples. I, I really can't give many, many, but I can give certain ones. Uh, some of you were here, um, 2012, it was a Sunday night, um, and there was this particular service, and I was actually doing worship with Deej, and I was back here on the stage, um, and we were playing, and all of a sudden, I, I, um, it was just quiet and still. We were just being still. There was nothing happening. And I got a, a song of the Lord. That's all I know, know what to call it, you know? And I began to kind of sing spontaneously by the Spirit song. I never heard words I never heard. Just kind of get this download from the Holy Spirit and begin to sing. And Deej is playing behind me, somehow miraculously following wherever I was going to go, whatever I was going to do. And, and listen, I'm not giving credit to myself, but I'm just saying it was, it was extraordinary. It was a beautiful moment. Where's Deej? Where are you? There he is. Do you remember that, Deej? And, and this is what happened. I'm, my eyes are closed because I'm afraid if I open my eyes, I'll lose it. Like, I won't know where I am. I don't know what to do. I'll, I'll lose the... Uh, it'll disconnect, you know? If I open my eyes, you know, it's like, Peter, I'll see the water and then I'll drown. That's, that's what I felt like. And so I just kept my eyes closed, kept my eyes closed. And then finally, it just kind of stopped. And it was quiet, and I opened my eyes. And when I opened my eyes, as, as many people as in this room right now were all over the place, on their face, prostrate before the Lord, flat out on the floor, just weeping and still. And more than that, I mean, it was, it was physically visible that the presence of God was there, and you could feel it in the room. It was unbelievable. And without exception. 
Everybody was affected by it. It wasn't just a few people down front and a few people weren't connected. Every single person in the room, God was there. The place was, it was, it was, when I say a shaker meeting, I don't mean just the paint has to come off the walls and the base is kicking the tiles out. I'm not saying it has to be that. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? It was incredible. The Holy Spirit moved that day and, and you could, there was just a reverence and People were just struck by the presence of God. The same thing happened in the Bible many times. Um, there's a story, and I won't read it right now, but in 2 Chronicles 5, 14-ish, where all the priests, you know, the representatives of God, the, the leaders of the people of God, were, were hit by the presence of God. The glory of the Lord came, and they couldn't stand at the, in, at the weight of the glory of God. Um, this is kind of the big idea. I think it's, it, it's in your notes. You can put this in there. When we wait on God, God puts his weight on us. W-A-I-T, W-E-I-G-H-T. When we wait on God, God puts his weight, his glory on us, and things shake. That's kind of the, the conversation that I want to have with you tonight. And I want to obviously submit to you that this is a good thing. When you wait on God, he'll put his weight on us and things shake that need to be shaken. The glory of God, sometimes referred to in the Old Testament as the kabod, the, it has a weight to it. The weight of God needs a place to sit, a place to rest. Actually, the glory of God, the, it's really like the manifest presence of God. There's the omnipresence of God and then there's the, the manifest presence. It's on location presence of God. Some of you know, like, he's, God's everywhere, but then sometimes you know, like, God is here right now. Do you, does anybody know what I'm talking about out there? The difference, okay? So I'm talking about the, the manifest, the on-location presence of God. In Acts 7.49, I don't believe this is in your notes, it says, there used to be a song we sang years ago, years ago, called Resting Place. And it's based on this particular verse, the heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool, but what kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? God's glory wants to find a place to rest. And he wants it to be in the house of God. But for his weight to rest on the people of God, the people of God have to be waiting, found waiting on God. Remember what Jesus said? He didn't say go first. First he said wait to the 120 in the upper room. He said wait. We're not good at waiting. I don't like to wait. Ask my wife in traffic. I'm not very good at it. And so God is looking for a place to sit and rest his glory. The glory of God has weight. In other words, it, it can just rest, it can't just rest anywhere or on anyone, or it would crush them. It would knock them over. Uh, there needs to be a seat, um, ready, prepared, steady, strong, enough to hold his presence, his weight, his glory. That's why we fast and pray. Sometimes it's hard to connect the dots. We think fasting and praying is about a weight loss program first. That's our natural inclination is to say, I'll do this and then maybe I'll lose some weight. All external. God is trying to develop our inner man so that we can have a strong outer man. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's, there's, we, we need to get stronger in our inner man. And as a general rule, I think we are weak spiritually, in particular in America, and we have a hard time waiting for anything or anyone and the re- reality is there are often periods of testing. Like the 120, they were told to wait and pray. They'll be, it's, it's coming, but not yet, in other words. It's coming. 
And, and if something didn't happen tonight that was substantial, substantive, I'm believing it will. I'm believing we'll have a breakthrough. It'll be noticeable. It'll be evident. It'll be real if it hasn't already been for you. But if it isn't, we're, we're weak. We don't, we don't want to press in. We don't want to, you know, can you not tarry one hour, Jesus said. Meanwhile, he's in there pressing in, praying, pleading with God, bleeding for God. Bleeding in prayer, and then he bled later physically in his own body on our behalf. I mean, incredible. To build us and to bless us, it requires sometimes that we, my daddy used to say, hey, do you want an ice cream now or a bike later? I'd say, ice cream now. We're like kids. We, we want to we play now and pay later. And, but yet, if we're willing to pay now and so does the Spirit, if we pay now, we can play later greater. And great men and women of God throughout history did great things because they prayed and they waited on God. And I would just say this to you, Connect Community Church, please don't stop praying and, and fasting and seeking the Lord now that the fast has ended. Don't, don't, we are breaking the fast, but let's, not, let's have a breakthrough and continue to pray and seek God. You know, one of my personal goals in this particular fast, I was asking God, you know, what should I be praying for? And there's some things I've been praying for, a miracle in my wife's body. There's a little thing I've been praying for, healing for her. And in different people, I've been praying for breakthrough. A couple of people I want to pray for tonight um, before we leave here. But um, one of the things that I've been praying for myself is, I'll back it up by just saying this. Sometimes you get to a place in God, in relationship with God, a high, a mountaintop, moment or season. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? There's been seasons in your life you're like, oh, this is so good. Man, this is so good. And then something happens, like we come down from the mountain, and we look back and we say, why did I stop? What, what, why did I leave? Why, 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 what happened? Why? And then we go back to the mountain again, and we say things like, why would I ever stop doing this? Why would I ever leave this place? Does anybody know what I'm talking about out there? Right? And so I committed this fast to do some things Believe for some things that I could or would sustain throughout the year. In other words, rather than pray five, six hours a day, knowing full well <laughs> that's going to stop tomorrow or sooner than that, let's do some things in my devotional life that are sustainable, okay? Let's do some things in my physical life that are sustainable. Let's do some things, you know, in my leadership world. You know, I have four values that live by worship, relationship, lordship, leadership. There's kind of four values. It's a good message another time, but just loving God with all I am. Just how can I, how can I continue to increase my love for God? How can I continue to increase and grow in certain relationships, key relationships? What can I do to surrender and submit to the will of God? Not just see him as Savior, but as Lord. What are the things I need to lay down? What, what do I need to do, you know, uh, in leadership, you know, to be an influence and increase the influence and leverage the gifts that God has given me? And so I've been looking at those things, and I can unpack some of the specifics, but it's really not for all of you. It's not an all play. But if you want the weight of God, the glory in your life, don't stop waiting on God to bring it. If you do that, that if you do that, you know, to, it, it'll, it'll, if you stay with it, things that need to be shaken will be shaken. What needs to be shaken off in your life? Maybe just think about that for a second. What are some things that need to be shaken off so that you can be you know, used by God, so you can serve him optimally. You know, physically, there are parallels between the physical and the natural. There are things that if we're physically not fit, we can't do for people. We can't adequately serve or help people. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? 
you know? It's really hard to take care of four kids, you know, if, if you're not able to kind of get out of bed in the morning and take care of four kids. So that's, that physical is similar in the spiritual side. We need to be strong spiritually to be able to carry the weight or the responsibility that God has for us. To be able to carry that weight, we have to wait on God to strengthen that inner man, to be strong enough to do so. What needs to be shaken from you? What are the things that are keeping you, that are mastering you other than the Holy Spirit? Could be, you know, bad habits, unhealthy choices, uh, sexual sin, pride, you know, financial, you know, mismanagement. Um, absenteeism from God or stagnant devotional life. You know, we're expecting God to do this and do that, and we want him now, and we want to microwave Jesus, you know? Intervene, you know, see ya. And then we just go on the way we were. In a few minutes, we're going to pray corporately, and we're going to shake some things off, but I almost brought it, but I didn't want to, whatever, I almost brought this particular thing. My, my wife doesn't use it anymore, but she has this little shake weight instrument, Anybody ever seen that commercial, you know? Shake the weight off, shake the weight off, you know? And when she got it, bless my wife's little heart, when she got it, I was like, baby, baby, come on, you know? She's, and so I just thought, and I, I just basically told her, in my opinion, that's just no good. But she would say, honey, it's no good if you don't shake it, you know? And she'd be like, wow, 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 wow. And, you know, I suppose if you keep shaking it like she was shaking it, you know, I'm like, keep doing it, baby, that's great, you know? I, I'm, I'm getting happy, you know, but she just shake that stuff off. <laughs> it's another series. We have a marriage retreat coming up. But if she'd say, if you shake it, you know, th- the weight's just going to shake right off. You still love me? I'm thinking about it. Anyway, <laughs> the point is, <laughs> the point is, the point is, when we pray, Literally, when we pray, it shakes things off. Can I have an amen out there? It shakes things off. There are barriers and there are boundaries to you. Breaking through to God and prayer puts muscle on us that we need. We need some spiritual muscle in our prayer life. And when we, when we, sh- when we shake, God shakes too. And so you have to kind of ask yourself, do you want to experience the glory of God? There's this New Testament example in Acts chapter 4. I told you we'd get there eventually. Acts chapter 4, verse 31 through 35. We're going to read that uh, Together. Are you guys getting something out of this? Okay, so Acts 4, 4, 31. Sorry, here we go. After they prayed, everybody say after they prayed. Important. The place where they were meeting was what? Shaken. The place where the meeting was what? Come on, say it like a Pentecostal. It was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions were or was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace, that, that's really talking charis, that's talking about divine enablement. That's not just a nice girl's name or a prayer for, before our meal or anything like that, okay? That's not unmerited favor. That's talking about divine enablement. Much grace was upon them all. Verse 34, there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. This is incredible. 
This is incredible what happened in this particular situation. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called. Oh, no, we won't read that. We don't need to go. That's verse 36. So these are like symptoms, uh, a byproduct of a shaker meeting, these particular things. So this, this isn't in your notes, but if you look at this particular, those of you who like to be a preacher or a teacher someday, just you can look at one verse. If you look at verse 31, I believe it is, verse 31, you can see four things right inside that particular verse. They prayed. All right, so they started with prayer. Nothing happens if we don't ask God. You know, if we want something to happen, we got to start with prayer. So that's kind of the prerequisite for something happening is prayer. Then it led to shaking, all right? So that's kind of a sign, a physical, a physical manifestation in this particular instance, but it could also be spiritual too. And then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's kind of a symptom of prayer. As a result of the sign, there was a symptom. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the end game was they, they left with boldness to share the Word of God. You could do a whole message just on that one verse. I just wanted to do that for those people who like that whole teaching gift. You can just kind of unpack that, all right? But a shaker meeting begins with a group of people meeting in a place, seeking and wait, waiting on God. That's what SNL should be filled with, is people coming, seeking, expecting, you know, um, anticipating God to move. That's what SNL needs to be like. Every single, really what church needs to be like every single time we come together. Every time we gather, your small groups, that they just gather and believe God to move, all right? And when, and when you do, when you're waiting on God, he'll put his weight on us and things shake. And they're no longer Quaker meetings, they're shaker meetings. You should not want to have Quaker meetings where nothing really happens. You want to have a shaker meeting where something always happens, Amen. So here's four signs of a shaker meeting, all right? Let's, we can take this right out of this particular, these four verses. Uh, verse 32, all the believers were united in heart and mind. So everyone is in sync, sync, okay? Everyone's in sync. They're united. Notice that he says they're united in heart and in mind, in heart and in mind. In heart is talking about your attitude. You're a team player. You're not promoting yourself. You, you exalt God you don't exalt yourself. As we were talking about earlier, we decrease, as Kat was testifying. That's good. So God can increase. So this is we're united in heart. We're united in mind. This, mean, this, this is referring to us being on the same page, having the mind of Christ. Like he's the quarterback. If he calls an audible, we're right there with him. If there's a change of direction by the Holy Spirit, we're synced up with that. As it relates to our church corporately, to be united uh, we teach about this in 101, coming up next week, if you haven't done that, we talk about this in 1 Corinthians 1.10, Paul speaks and says, I wish there'd be no divisions among you, but that you be united, and he says, in thought and purpose, thought and purpose. So we have to have a similar way of thinking, a, a mode of ministry, but we also have to be united in our practices and in our purpose and what we're trying to accomplish, and it needs to line up and be in sync, Amen speaking the same language, not just talking about tongues or the same heavenly language as we were referring to this morning, but really more about vision. You need to get plugged into that. You need to get synced up. So if you want to have a shaker meeting, you have to be in sync with all the people that are there. When they gathered in the upper room, they were, they were in one place, and the Bible says in one accord. Accord has a lot of different definitions as to what causes a cord. Vision alignment is one of those. Okay? The next thing is, verse 30, are you guys still with me? Yeah. Verse 32, the second part of the verse is, and they felt what they owned was not their own. Oh, I love this point. Everyone here is surrendered. Surrendered is the fill in the blank. Everyone was surrendered. 
In other words, we're willing to be used. My house is your house. My stuff is your stuff. I'm a steward. I'm not an owner. Everything I have is for the purposes of God. I find it interesting that people say, this is what people do who don't give. Don't take offense to this. I just, this is just experience, okay? But people say, you know, well, I'm going to give once I get to such and such or once I acquire such and such. You know, just a little bit more, and then I'm going to make this money and do this, and then I'm going to do a lot for ministry. I'm going to get this house, and then I'm going to do this for ministry. And then they get the house, and they don't do any ministry with it. It becomes a museum, not a ministry. Nobody's using that. But listen, my house is God's house. My, my, now, you, that's like can be our possessions, but it can be, um, it can be all that we have. Whatever you're holding on to in actuality has you grit. In other words, I wrote this in my notes. What is in your hand... Your hand, it represents, your, it's you, your time, your talent, your treasure. Uh, whatever's in your hand can have control of you if you don't release it, if it's not surrendered and submitted to God. Open hands lead to an open heaven. There's going to, open hands lead to an open heaven. There's no open heaven until people are like, surrendered. Oh, I don't like that point, Pastor. I know. It's good, though. This is part of a shaker meeting. Here's another thing that causes a shaker meeting, another sign. Verse 33, the apostles testified powerfully, and God's blessing was on them all. Everyone is stoked. They're not singing stoked. That's a good one, isn't it? Everyone's stoked. They're not freedom reigns in this place. Showers of mercy and grace. People are fired up. They're stoked. You know what I mean? They've stirred themselves up in their most holy faith. All the sediment is not on the bottom of the orange juice glass. They come in and... I'm in church. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. They're stoked. Who's responsible to stoke themselves? I'm responsible, Okay. I have, I have, uh, I have um, dominion. I've been given dominion over this vessel. I have to take authority over my vessel and say, you know what, body? It's time to praise the Lord. You know what, mind? You can't keep thinking like that. Get that sinking. I arrest those thoughts. I take captive every thought that, that does not acknowledge God, that, that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. Oh, you're exalting yourself above the knowledge of God? Whoo, get out of here. Oh, that's a thought that exalts God. Oh, I'll take that. That's something I will entreat or receive. Are you tracking with me? So we've got to take authority over our mind. We've got to take authority over our body. We bring a sacrifice of praise unto the house of our God. That said sacrifice. It didn't say, woo, if I feel like it, oh, I feel like praising. Woo. But when I don't, I don't. And that's going to be a lot less praising. Are you tracking with me? So everyone is stoked. We, and when we're stoked... I think passion is influential. It's attractional. I mean, when Samantha was up here this morning, I'm just like, you go, girl. Woo, come on. I'm over there in the front row like, preach. How'd it go? You know, I mean, I remember when she first came to church, that is not the girl that I knew before she met Jesus. 
before she met the Holy Spirit. Now she's going through some trials, but I remember some bigger trials way back then. These are, these are new levels and new devils and all kinds of, yeah, whatever. But I'm just, she's going to get through those things, but she's still praising. She's still stoking up. She's still stirring up her gifts. She's still using it. She's got what in her hand and she's letting it go. You know what I'm saying? That's what we need to do. That's what gets us through. That's what shakes that stuff off. Not, you know, I'm going to just hold back and just wait back here. Okay? We need to, we need to get stoked. The Bible says, you know, if, you, if we need to ask the Holy Spirit to increase our influence. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, um, 11. It says, knowing therefore, this gets misinterpreted sometimes, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Basically means when you're the fear of the Lord, when you're in awe of God, you're persuasive. When, like, God is bigger than every, when, when, when Jesus did a miracle, when they were on the boat and the storms came and he was sleeping, and then they woke up, Master, 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 oh my gosh, the boat's going to sink. He got up and he just said, be still, storm, shut up. It says, the fear that they had about the water and the storm was nothing compared to the, oh my, did you see what Jesus just did? They had an awe of God. And when people walk in an awe of God, they're influential. That's what it's saying in 2 Corinthians 5. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? So you're stoked. You're influential when you're that way. Number four, everyone is sensitive. Everyone is sensitive. Can I just tell you, word for word, the Holy Spirit gave me this entire message, like a total of about 40 minutes, okay? It's just so cool when, when, you, when, you, when you can get tuned in. It's crazy. Uh, everyone is sensitive. Verse 34, there was no needy person among them. There's no need. When, when there's a shaker meeting and the Holy Spirit shows up, we're so connected and in sync with each other. We're so stoked. We're so surrendered that we see needs and we meet them. One of the signs of a move of God upon a church is that we take care of our own. No man left behind. We're not afraid to step kind of out of the safe zone into the faith zone. We're very sensitive to what's going on around us. And since everything's Everything's, my house is your house, and my things are your things, and my talents, and my treasure, and my time, and all that is your time. These are signs that we need to grow as a church. Are you tracking with me? And we're sensitive, everybody. I believe it makes us more generous, a caring community. Galatians 6 says to, to do good, especially to the family of believers. Help people feel needed. Help people feel known. The worship team can come up now uh, quietly and, and um, quickly. But we need to help people feel uh, we were teaching this in Leaders Unite, Tuesday nights. Uh, help people feel needed. Help people feel known. Do you know that's our objective as a church, is to help people feel known, like accepted, connected. Help people feel needed, like what's my purpose? I want to do something that makes a difference. This is, what, this is what happens when the church is synced up. This is what happens when the church is surrendered. This is what happens when the church is stoked. We're more sensitive to people. Connect, exist to connect the disconnected to God. Amen? Godly people in a godly place where God once in a while shakes things up. And listen, sensitive doesn't mean um, be careful. Like, sensitive doesn't mean we water down the truth, I guess is what I mean. Do you know, I believe this with all my heart, I believe there's anointing on this church to be able to say tough things in love. I really believe that with all my heart. I, you know, I, my wife has this, you know, I believe it's on me. I believe it's on you because you're in this ministry is to be able to kind of put our finger in somebody's eye, but just be, but people be convinced that we care. That's what Jesus did. 
That's, that's part of the Holy Spirit's outpouring and grace on this ministry. Be able to operate in grace and be able to operate in love. Amen? Let's do this. Let's, let's just stand up. Did you guys get something out of that? Um, how do we want to do this, Holy Spirit? Help me with this. Thank you, Jesus. Just, just close your eyes and let's pray for a minute. Thank you, Lord. We're going to pray, okay? And I just want you to envision um, what it was like at Pentecost 2,000 years ago group of people, all different ages, disciples, followers of God, people just like you and me, ordinary people, they came together at the bidding of Jesus, and they waited for the promise that would come, the Holy Spirit would come. And if you, if you pray in the Spirit, if you do have that, uh, it, you know, and if you don't, just pray, just begin to just Invite the Holy Spirit in this place. Invite the Holy Spirit into your life. You can just do that kind of quietly, edifying yourself, encouraging yourself, strengthening yourself as we're going to pray. But we're going to worship in just a minute, but not quite yet. But I just, I just want us to kind of set an atmosphere, uh, an environment where God can rest, where the glory of God can come. And I think what really precedes uh, that is we pray, you know, we pray, of course, but maybe there's some things that need to be surrendered first. Maybe there's some things that need to be uh, laid down. And, and, you know, I understand it's Sunday night and you've got a busy day tomorrow and maybe you're fatigued. Your body sometimes can get in the way. Your, phys- your physical body can sometimes get in the way of the blessing of God. Just, just even that, maybe you need to pray. Bring, that, bring your physical body into submission to the Holy Spirit. Come on, body, get in line. I'm not going to miss what God wants to do in, 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 my, in the midst, in this, in this particular place. I want the Holy Spirit to be in the midst of the people. and I'm not going to surrender to my fleshly appetites and my weak will and, and uh, my distracted mind. In fact, I'm going to take authority over that right now. So if you, if you wrestle with the physical side of things sometimes, which is you have a hard time waiting on God for a little while, I'm, I'm in that camp. So I bring myself into that just so you don't feel alone. I'm walking that plank with you. I, in Jesus' name, take authority over our physical bodies, our weak physical bodies that have a hard time uh, submitting to the plans and purposes of the Holy Spirit. Our flesh, our flesh may fail, but God is strong. God's purposes will be fulfilled in our life. I may be weak. Your spirit's strong in me. Your power is made perfect, the scripture says, in my weakness. The spirit is willing, even when the flesh is weak. And I pray the spirit have jurisdiction and authority in this house in Jesus' name. We will be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. It's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, declares the Lord. I pray, Lord, that we be children, sons and daughters of God who are led by the spirit, led by the spirit, live by the spirit, walk in the light as he is in the light. Make us strong in Jesus' name. So God, as we begin to worship, I pray that we surrender all 
the obstacles, all the unhealthy habits. We don't want to go forward. This is the 21st day of a season of prayer and fasting. And anything that we have yet to surrender, anything that we have yet to submit, if you think of something, this is what the Holy Spirit is saying to me, if you think of something that has to be submitted or surrendered, even as a sign that you're submitting, I want you to come down to the front, down to the altar here, and kind of just either get on your knees or just place it symbolically at the altar. I'm going to let that whole thing go. I'm not going to walk under the control of this any longer. Whatever it is, I believe leaders, leaders lead from the front in this. You know there are things in your life that you need to submit and surrender to God. So don't, don't wait for somebody else. I could get down here just as easily uh, as anybody in this particular room. Appetites, it could be all kinds of things. I don't want to be controlled any longer by the sinful nature. I want to be led by the Spirit of God. I want my godly nature to be strong in me. No longer a weak vessel, but a strong vessel. Empty. Nothing is filled that is in first. Empty. The Holy Spirit would say, nothing is filled that isn't emptied. The Holy Spirit would say, empty yourself. Empty yourself. Pour out all those vices, all those voices that distract yourself from the Holy Spirit's voice. All those appetites and vices that distract you from the Holy Spirit's drawing you to himself. He longs to be with you. May you long to be in the courts of the Lord. May you long to be in the presence of God. Surrender to Him. Surrender to Him. Surrender to Him. Surrender all that you have to Him. Jesus, come in this place, Holy Spirit. Flood, flood this room. Fill your people. Fill your people. Surrender.